Think you can't make it another day? Pastor Ed Taylor says, think back on your life and remember how God has been faithful. Just think about five years ago. Five years ago, some of you were in the hardest, heaviest, most difficult situation in your whole life. You didn't think you'd ever get out of it. You didn't think there was any hope. You didn't think that there was anything tomorrow or the next day. You didn't know how you would get out of it. You didn't know how you were going to pay it. You didn't know how the relationships would come. And as far as you were concerned, you were done. You were done with life. You were done with church. You were done. And yet you stuck with it. And you got through it. You didn't know what God was doing then. You didn't know what was happening. It was too foggy, too difficult. But now five years later, you look back and you go, now I see what God was doing. And boy, was I faithless during that time. But God, he was so faithful. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Self-centeredness is at epic proportions today. Need proof? Just think for a moment about how much you think about yourself in a given day, or how many posts on social media are about yourself. But today on Abounding Grace, we'd like to challenge you to get outside of yourself and start caring about others. In doing so, you'll capture the heart of Christ. That is the big takeaway in today's lesson from John chapter 16, and where we join Pastor Ed Taylor now. One of the responsibilities I have, according to Peter, is that I want you to remember things. I'm going to teach in such a way where you'll remember, where you'll remember, where you'll remember, to the best of my ability with the gifting that God has given me, because I want you to remember. And we, it's one of the reasons why me personally as your pastor, constantly, over and over again, tell you, memorize the Bible, memorize the Bible, memorize the Bible. Why? Because the promise of the Scriptures is this. If you hide God's Word in your heart, you won't sin against Him. But I don't know, I'm sure this has happened to you, but things have changed over the last 10 years or so. Things have changed. I've changed over the last 10 years when it comes to this. It it takes a real discipline to memorize the scriptures, you know, to really learn a way to memorize and hide God's word in your heart. I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. I've got a piece of paper here. I couldn't find a three by five card, but there's a scripture I'm memorizing. But I just found out about an app that's supposed to help you do it. So I'm getting an app, man. I'm doing whatever I need to do to memorize scripture. But this is one of the scriptures I'm memorizing right now. Uh, And I take it out, you know, I'm waiting in line or I'm waiting in a red light. I'll take it out and say, you have shown me great and severe troubles and you shall revive me again and bring me up from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on other side. That's a pretty good verse to memorize. So it's in my pocket. But you know what we do these days? We don't really, I have to make a lot of effort to do this. And it really requires a lot of effort on my part. I really need to remember and put it because I've been trained over the last 10 years to really don't worry about if I remember something or not. You know why? Because I can always Google it. What was that? What happened over there? Well, just Google it. Just go to Wikipedia. Just tell Siri, hey, Siri, how you doing? What do you think about me? You're an idiot. Oh, thank you very much, Siri. And I get mad at her because she doesn't find things for me, but she's not even a her. It's a phone. But you, are you guys not Googling things, yes or no? Don't be sitting there going, Ed, you're weird. We're all weird together. 
We're all Googling stuff. And now we do that with scriptures. What was that scripture? Oh, just Google it. I mean, it's, it's a great tool. I'm not opposed to it. I use it all the time. But don't let it replace. The promise is, is this. Hide God's word in your heart and you won't sin against him. The promise isn't Google it and you won't sin against him. That's not the promise. You've got to know that God wants to warn you ahead of time. Like my pastor has said throughout the years, and I'm sure he's still saying it, to be forewarned is to be forearmed in the spiritual battle. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Forewarned, forearmed, preparation. I'm telling you these things so when it happens, you'll remember. You'll remember what I said to you. Warning, preparing is what he did with Peter. When Peter failed him, he warned him, you're going to deny me, I'm not going to die. You're going to die me, I'm not going to die me. Then he denies him. But what Jesus did was plant a seed in Peter that he could always come back to the one that knew he would fail all along. That's pretty cool. He was preparing him, not for the fall so much, but for after the fall, when Jesus would come to him and say, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter's anguishing, you know that I love you. And just go feed my sheep, take care of them. You want to express your love for me, Peter? Get back into the ministry, man. Get back and do what you were called to do. Take care of the people that I love. Good stuff. Because, you know, looking back is always, what do they say? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back is always better, you know, because we can look back and, and we can see God's faithfulness. Let's take a journey for a moment and just think about five years ago. Five years ago, some of you were in the hardest, heaviest, most difficult situation in your whole life. You didn't think you'd ever get out of it. You didn't think there was any hope. You didn't think that there was anything tomorrow or the next day. You didn't know how you would get out of it. You didn't know how you were going to pay it. You didn't know how the relationships would come. And as far as you were concerned, you were done. You were done with life. You were done with church. You were done. And yet you stuck with it. And you got through it. You didn't know what God was doing then. You didn't know what was happening. It was too foggy, too difficult. But now five years later, you look back and you go, now I see what God was doing. And boy, was I faithless during that time. But God, he was so faithful. Man, I was ready to throw in the towel. As the psalmist said, my feet almost slipped until I came into the house of the Lord. And now looking back, you can see it's much easier to look back than it is being in the middle of it. Like some of you are right now in the middle of it, layer after layer, more after more. Some of you are actually even asking God, how much can a man take? How much can a woman take? Either for yourself or someone else you're watching their life. That's how hard it is. And you don't see any purpose in it. You don't see any hope in it. And and Jesus is just saying, remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. You're going to get through this. It's going to pass. Heaven is ahead. You have hope for the strength for today, hope for tomorrow. And one day you're going to have 2020 hindsight looking back and go, now I remember what Jesus said. Now I remember that Bible study. Now I remember that with Jesus. And, and that's how God is going to encourage you and strengthen you. Think about it this way. I know a lot of you guys, you know, you like to watch the football game and you're going to go there and you're watching and you get really into it. You're yelling at the TV and, and there you are. You're, you're watching the game and this quarterback makes a mistake. and you go, Oh, I can't believe it. Why would you call that? And you're mad at the coach. I would never call that play. I would have thrown it over there. Didn't he see that guy was wide open? Because you're watching on replay. You know, the quarterback doesn't see it that way, but you get to see all six angles on direct TV and you're there. Oh, I can't believe what kind of quarterback. And then you're like Monday morning quarterback. You go to work and you talk about, well, if I was a quarterback, this 
is what I would have done. When I was in high school, I used to throw for 500 yards. I, I and Pop Warner, when I was six, I was the best football player around. <laughs> because it's always easier to be a spectator and tell other people what to do instead of living the life yourself and letting the Lord work through you. And by the way, I wish the Broncos would do this. Hopefully they're listening right now. They're probably at the game right now, but maybe they'll listen to this later. And I want them to do a raffle. Proceeds will all go to the children's hospital, and it's only guys that identify themselves as Monday morning quarterbacks, and I want to give them a raffle and give a guy a chance to be a quarterback for one series of plays in one game. And I would love to see the first time they get rolled over by an 800-pound <laughs> lineman. And then the reporter can come up, what do you think about that Monday morning quarterback? <laughs> ah! It's always easier It's always easier when you can look back, isn't it? It's always easier. You can make all the right plays and all the right calls looking back. But Jesus says, I'm telling you this now. So when you do look back, you're going to remember that I was with you then and I'm with you now and I'll be with you in the future. That's all this section. So powerful. You want to be ready in times of trial. One of the weaknesses of the church today, not just our church, but this Western culture church is that we haven't experienced real persecution as a church. We haven't experienced the weight of what our brothers and sisters are going through around the world and having the church have to go underground in China, which may be what we do, or having the church uh, have to be worried for their life or whatever. We haven't experienced, and what that's created in our church is a soft church. I'm not pointing the fingers at any of you. It's all us. we become so soft. And because we're soft, we're not really pressing into the things of God in our community. And we're all into us and ourselves so much. And, and persecution stirs up the church. It gives an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. When you're going through something, whether it's broad persecution, which isn't happening right now, or it's personal trials, and you're working with people, and you're standing strong, and you're showing up, and you're doing your job, but they know what's going on in your life. You know what that does? They ask questions. How can you do that? Because if it was me, I couldn't make it. I don't think I could ever go through what you're going through. And your answer is, you know, without Jesus, I don't think I could go through it either. And you begin to share the gospel with them. You begin to live, you know, you begin to live with with this urgency of the coming of the Lord. You begin to live with this urgency to obey. This is one of the things that God has really been doing in my own personal life, my own personal walk. He's been reminding me of a time in my life, primarily in those first few years as a new believer, where, man, when when God told me to do something, I did it. If I heard something from the pulpit that Pastor Jeff said and it, it spoke to my heart from the Holy Spirit to do something, you know what I did when I left? I did it. If he put on my heart to share the gospel with my parents, I did it. If he asked me to, to give to some, I did it. If he asked me to do something, I did it. You know, I remember a, an example. I remember him putting on my heart one day to go down to the Bible bookstore and buy a Bible for my boss, CEO of the company, the head honcho, big guy. And so you just go get a Bible, and I want you to go up into his office without an appointment, and I want you to share the gospel with him and give the Bible to him. And I, my answer was briefly, Lord, but I want to keep my job. <laughs> but I was a new, I'm like, okay. So I knew he was getting married. I wasn't able to go to the wedding, so I went down to the Bible bookstore. I found a Bible for married couples, and, you know, I know he wasn't walking with the Lord. I mean, just, just the opposite of believer that you could possibly think of. And then I went to work. I went right upstairs, no appointment, walked right by his secretary, knocked on the door. He said, come in. I went in, and he said, oh, Ed, how you doing? What's going on? And I said, well, 
I'm a Christian, and God told me to come into your office and to talk to you about Jesus. Oh, really? He says, yeah. And I began to share the gospel with him. And I said, it's really good that you're getting married. God created marriage. I shared that all with him. And I said, me and my wife, we purchased a Bible. We want to bless you with it and, and just want this to be the foundation of your marriage. And, and God bless you. And he gave me one of those looks where I wasn't sure if I was fired or I wasn't sure. And he said, well, thank you very much for your time. And I walked right back out, went back to the office and, and went to work. And, you know, my heart was beating and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And, but I did it. But I did it. He didn't get saved then. But Steve, if you're listening right now and you're saved, please tell me. I would love to know how it's going. It's been many years since I worked with him. And over the years, in my own life, especially Probably the Lord's shown me in the last five years. I haven't been so quick to do what God told me to do. Whether it's the fear of man or the fear of consequences or I don't want to deal with that or whatever reasons I can come up with in my mind. You probably have your own. Where the Lord clearly tells me to do something and I don't do it. He clearly tells me and leads me to do something and I don't do it. Or I delay or I wait. Some things could be significant. Some things not significant. But, but, but God's really teaching me, look, he told the church in Ephesus, you've left your first love. And when you leave your first love, you leave your first passion. And when you leave your passion, you become religious. You just do what you think you need to do, when you think you need to do it. But, but your relationship with Jesus Christ is not about you first. It's about him. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you should deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. And the Lord's really impressing that on my, on my life. That I want to come and return wherever I'm lacking to having such a sensitive ear to hearing the Lord and then doing it. And no matter what the consequence, somebody gets mad at me, I'm not doing it for you to get mad at me. I'm doing it because I love you. If somebody's upset, well, I'm not doing it for somebody to get upset. I'm doing it because the Lord put it on my heart to give you a Bible or to text you or to bless you or, or to tell you I see this in your life or whatever it might be. Listen, church, this is where I want to end in this section here. And I want to point out something to you that just popped off the page to me. And, and I think it's an exhortation that God has for us as a church. I want you to go back to verse 5. Because it all kind of ties together. In verse 5 it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? I had to pause on that verse recently. Because people, the disciples have been asking Jesus questions. And they previously were saying, uh, we don't know where you're going, but they're talking to him and asking him questions. And now Jesus is saying, nobody's asking me where I'm going. So I began to pray about it. I see a significance here that's really relevant to us today. And this is what I think Jesus is saying. Jesus is pouring into them. Jesus is serving them. Jesus is preparing them. And their questions are all about, what about us? And what about here? And what's going to happen here? But nobody is asking Jesus, Jesus, where are you going? How are you? How's this going to affect you? How are you feeling right now? What's happening in your heart? Nobody's asking Jesus about Jesus. Nobody around him is probing into his life to say, you know what? This is hard for us. But how are you? Where are you going? I don't think it's a technical question like location. I think it's a probing question about the heart of the matter. Our city is suffering because believers in Jesus Christ are so self-centered that they can't get out of themselves, especially when you're going through a trial. You just can't get out of yourself. So what about me? What do you have for me? What's going on with me? 
Don't you know about me? Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know what I've experienced? Don't you understand me? And, and to that we would say, yes, we know you're struggling. In, but listen, is it possible? Can the power of the Holy Spirit come in your life where you will get outside of yourself and start caring for other people? Will you start asking people, what about you? How are you today? How's your life? How was that hospital visit? How is your son that's run away? How are you, how's your health? I heard you stumbled and, stu- and twisted your foot. How are you doing? How, what's going on at work? What, how's your marriage? I haven't seen you guys together in a while. What about, what, what would happen in our city? Can you imagine what would happen in our city if we would just take that one little step of going to our neighbor and saying, how are you? How are you? I haven't seen you in a while. How can I help you? How can I serve you? But instead, whether it's cultural, whether it's just our flesh, life can be so much about us. And that's how church is treated. It's not really, this message really isn't about the church, but to illustrate it, it's very important in the context of the church. People come to church now, and they come in and go, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? What do you have for me? What do you, what do you have for my kids? What do you have for them? What do you have? And, and if, if, if you're here today, and you're like wait, asking that question. There is some legitimacy to that question, I understand. But listen, I could just answer it for you, man. We don't have anything for you. We don't have anything for you. Hopefully, we'll just do the best job that we can to point you to Jesus Christ, and he'll take good care of you. But we don't have anything. You know, we don't have the best this, and we don't have the worst that. We don't have this, and we don't have that. I mean, it it reminded me back in the school. It hasn't really happened here, but when we were meeting in the school, I had a gentleman come up to me uh, with a list. He basically came up and said, well, pastor, you almost made it. You almost passed, something like that. I'm like, what? You know, I'm a new pastor. I don't have any idea what he's talking about. What do you mean? He says, well, you know, we're looking for a church, and here's the list of things that we have. And maybe there were eight things on there, and you made six. I remember thinking, well, how did I do on teaching? That's the one, you know. That's, how, what's the check mark? You made six, but, you know, we're going to keep looking for churches in town, and, and we might find the one with eight. Well, listen, if you came in with a list of six things, I'm just going to save you the trouble. We don't have any of it the way you want it. We don't have any of it. We're just a group of imperfect people with an imperfect pastor, an imperfect team of people that serve here, that love Jesus, want to raise our families in the way of the Lord, and serve you to the best of our ability. But we will never meet your expectations. It just won't happen. It's just not going to happen. And if we would just get outside of ourselves and say, you know what, maybe you are a list guy, and you got six things, and you, we made three of them. Maybe you'll be the person that got sent to the church to take care of the other three that we didn't meet. Have you ever thought about that? Like, maybe you're the one. Like, we didn't, none of us saw it, but you've got really good eyes. Maybe you're the one that God has sent to add to our church for the sake of our community. Because we're only here for a couple hours, guys, you know. We're only here for a couple hours. The real ministry is outside. Out when you get in your car, when you drive away, when you go work. That's where the, that's where, I mean, there's ministry that happens here. But man, you don't want to know where it really happens. It happens when you leave. The emphasis should be on the lost and dying world. I mean, think about it. Sometimes, sometimes, you have your kids, you know, you bring your kids to our children's ministry, and we've got dedicated men and women that love the Lord and serve your kids. But you, on occasion, will come to a door, and it's closed, and it's locked, and the classroom's closed. You've got to bring your kids up into the sanctuary. And they're kids, and they're acting like kids, and they're doing somersaults and flips, and they're hanging on the by, you know, just like, your kids, your kids. I can't understand the Bible, the kids, the kids, the kids. And then what does that do? It makes you so frustrated. You go, I can't believe this church. I can't believe they closed the Sunday school. Why did they close the Sunday school? What are they doing here? Why can't they find somebody to go in the Sunday school? Why can't, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with this church that has closed Sunday school classes? Let me, let, me, let me give you an alternate thought, okay? 
Because that thought is all about you and what we're going to do for you. How about this? Have you ever thought about wondering how the teacher's doing that didn't show up? Maybe they're in the hospital right now. Maybe they just lost a loved one. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe they're depressed and they're in bed right now watching online wishing they were here with your kids because they love your kids. They're called to serve your kids. They're, They're here to educate your kids with a curriculum that gives your kids a biblical worldview and teaches them about the God of heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ. But have you ever thought that that closed door, that closed door could mean that that teacher's hurting that that teacher's suffering, that that teacher wants to be here but can't be here. But before you ever get there, it's all about you and your kids and you. And what about the kid? What kind of church is this? Well, it's a regular, normal church. With those of us that need to get our attention off ourselves and on others, Jesus says, I'm telling you I'm going away and nobody's asking me where I'm going. And I'm afraid in the church at large, perhaps even in our own church, nobody's asking the right questions. It's all about you and what makes you mad and what makes you upset and why somebody didn't do something the way you wanted it done. And, and it doesn't have to be in the church only. Life. And what, 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 what suffers as a result? A lost and dying world. Can you imagine what it would be like if we truly caught the vision of Jesus Christ and lived sacrificially and lived in a way that thought of others more highly than ourselves, can you imagine what would happen in our city? Can you imagine what would happen in your workplace? Can you imagine if the Lord put on your heart, go buy a Bible and go talk to your boss. And instead of saying, I don't want to be fired, you say, I want to obey you. And your boss gets saved. Your boss starts sharing the gospel from on top of his desk because he can. And he starts telling everybody, buying everybody. Can you imagine if you would just obey in that second instead of arguing with God what change you could bring in your life and our city suffers because we're not asking the right questions and we're not coming even in a gathering like this going how can I serve someone today not what they can do for me what can I do for them I'm coming to church to be built up and strengthened but I'm also coming to exercise my gifts I want to love on someone. Some of you are just so good at loving. When I told you guys to tell somebody that Jesus loves you, that way you were waiting 10 years for me to say that. That's your gift. You're just like, man, hugging people. Jesus loves you, and you mean it. It's everything in you wants to tell people that. You come and you're ready to express the gifts that God has given you. You can make an eternal difference both here and when we leave. If we can just get outside of ourselves for a little bit, we just buy somebody a cup of coffee, invest in their lives. You know, you get the book of the month that we announce. You buy one for yourself and one for your friend. You, 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 some new Bible study that you like, you send it off and text it. You, somebody's on your heart uh, in the morning, you send it off and you go, man, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. I'm praying for you because I love you. And you're not forgotten. Even those of you that are suffering greatly right now, because let me clarify before we leave just so I'm not misunderstood. I'm in no way whatsoever, not even 1% of 100, minimizing the pain that you're experiencing. Pain is an unwanted visitor in my life. And I'm in no way sharing with you these strong words to dismiss the reality of the difficulty of your life. Every one of us lives with some form of difficulty or another. 
We've been in the Gospel of John today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the entire book. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor. With Pastor Appreciation Month in mind, we've selected a book that we believe will be a great encouragement to your pastor. It's Ed Taylor's book, Sure and Steady, Learning and Growing in Pastoral Ministry. Topics include your personal walk with the Lord, the heart of a pastor, serving the people, using your time well, and inviting yourself into the lives of others. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877 Grace. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio and internet these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Tell a friend about this daily program and set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into the Gospel of John to mine its treasures. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.